Today, in this sermon, we're primarily going to talk about the idea of community, the idea just of community. We've got the DAC stacked against us as citizens of the United States, and we're going to talk about that. Next week, we're going to talk specifically about diversity and why that is so hard. But our culture in the U.S. has shaped us in a way to keep us away from community and to keep us away from diversity. Anyone ever try to swim upstream just for fun? What happens? <laughs> what would you say, Josh? <laughs> Someone get Josh some swim lessons. What happens when you swim upstream? You get tired, it's hard, and you end up quitting, right? We are swimming upstream on both of these, and that's why it's so important that, to know that we can't do it alone. You can't do it alone. I cannot swim upstream alone, but if Josiah is next to me, I got a shot. If CeCe's on the other side of me, I got a shot. We got a shot when we do it together, Amen. Amen. All right, we're going to show a little clip, a little video clip. We like to have creative intros around here. And then uh, we're going to, and I'll give you a little bit more of intro before we go back to your groups for a, a few more minutes of discussion. Um, this is from a movie called Ants, and uh, it's an animated movie. This is the introductory scene of the movie. And the main character's name is Z. He's an ant, and he's sitting on the, the psychologist's uh, couch. And this movie, it is about individualism. Now hear me to say, individualism isn't bad. It is what we are born into. Now, Z, the ant, he was born into the opposite of individualism. He's an ant. He was born into the extreme version of what's called collectivism. And he is sharing a very American viewpoint about how important individualism is to him. So I just want you to listen into the movie clip on, on what makes individualism so important uh, to us, and, and then we're going to look at some of the extremes of it and maybe some of the dark sides of it uh, in, in the rest of our intro. So it's about a two-minute clip. Uh, you guys can go ahead and, and let it play. All my life, I lived and worked in a big city, which, now that I think of it, is kind of a problem, since I always feel uncomfortable around crowds. I mean it. I, I have this fear of enclosed spaces. I, 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 everything makes me feel trapped all the time. You know, I, I always tell myself, there's got to be something better out there, but may, maybe, I, maybe I think too much. You know, I, I, I think everything must go back to the fact that I had a very anxious childhood. You know, my, my mother never had time for me. You know, when, when, you, when you're the middle child in a family of five million, you don't get any attention. I mean, how is it possible? And, and I've always had these, these abandonment issues which plagued me. My father was, was basically a drone, like I've said, and, you know, the guy flew away when I was just a larva. And my job, don't get me started on, because I, it really annoys me. I'm, I, I was not cut out to be a worker, I'll tell you right now. I, I, I feel physically inadequate. I, I, my whole life, I've never, I've never been able to lift more than 10 times my own body weight. And, and when you get down to it, handling dirt is, you know, is not my idea of a rewarding career. It's this whole gung-ho superorganism thing that, that, that I, you know, I can't get. I try, but I don't, I don't get it. I mean, you know, I'm, uh, what is it? I'm supposed to do everything for the colony. And, and what about my needs? What about me? I mean, I gotta believe there's some place out there that's better than this. Otherwise, I would just curl up in a larval position and weep. 
The whole system makes me feel insignificant. Excellent. You've made a real breakthrough. I have? Yes, Z. You are insignificant. I, I am? Oh, my. All right. You are insignificant. <laughs> it's a real breakthrough. Uh, but there, there's this interesting message in the in that in the introductory clip that to be significant, you must be an individual. And there's nothing wrong with being an individual. But in the United States, we say being an individual means being a lone ranger. That that to be your significance comes with doing things yourself, with pulling yourself up by your bootstraps by you doing it, and you don't need other people around you. Okay, so what I want you to know as we kick things off today is that that is a very Western, very modern concept. If you open up your Bible, it was originally uh, written in Hebrew and in Greek, okay? So these were languages that were used in the Old Testament thousands of years ago. Well, they're both thousands of years ago. The Greek would have been written 2,000 years ago, the Old Testament anywhere from 25 to 3,500 years ago in Hebrew, in those languages, they have a word for a plural you. So when I say you in English, what am I saying? I'm saying you and you, me and you. You is singular in English. In Hebrew and in Greek, the languages the Bible was written in, as well as in modern languages today like Spanish that are more usually more of a collectivist society, they actually have a word for multiple yous, a plural you. Think about the significance of this. We don't even have a word for that. We're so individualistic, we just got rid of the word somehow in the English language for plural you, that a you is only an individual. Now, I'm not saying individualism is bad, but it is the water that we're in, and it has shaped us, and it has a dark side to it. I think my, there we go. Um, I want you to look at this map for a second. This is a map of the world. And there's this spectrum, collectivism to individualism, on this map. And the darker the purple, the more individualistic the culture is. Now, what's also interesting is that the darkest purple countries are countries with a white population. I mean, you look at where Europeans colonize. Even you have South Africa, right? Australia. You have these, these places that were colonized uh, by white colonists and stayed there. And there's something very individual that goes along with that European mindset, which is where the dark purple uh, began and, and is, is centered in. Uh, even looking at this map, I'm not saying individualism is wrong and collectivism is right, but I'm saying that there are extremes. And when we get into either extreme of either side, there's dark sides to it. And what we need to be aware of is what it is doing to us and how it's pulling us away from God's design. So that's what we're going to talk about today. God's designed for community, and I'm telling you that in our country, check this, flat, this, this next graph out. The DAC is stacked against us. I don't know if you can see it at the top. The top left, I circled it in red. The United States, on a, a, a researcher chart of the most individualistic countries in the world, we are number one, tied with the United Kingdom. Okay, number one in the world. Try to grasp the significance of this. We are the most individualized society that's ever existed. So think of every society that's ever existed in the world at any point in history on this globe. You and I live in the most individualized society ever. There's ramifications to that. So just kind of let that, let that sink in. All right. Um, 
Oh yeah, I forgot our, our, uh, our pro presenter doesn't like our setup out here. Uh, Alan will get us situated back there. One of the ramifications is this statistic. Researchers do polls. Um, are people feeling lonely? Did you know three out of five Americans are lonely? And the rate is highest amongst young adults. Now, it's interesting, it's a little ironic, because I'm no longer a young adult anymore. And I think most of us that are not young adults, we look at young adults, teenagers and young adults, and we think, you are so connected. Because look at all of your social media. You've got, you've got so much social media coming out your ears. You must be so connected that how could you ever be lonely? When we survey young adults, they are the most lonely amongst our population. And I'm telling you, I mean, I know part of, you know, you can tell how old you are based on what social media platforms you use. I have Facebook, because I graduated high school in 2001. Uh, I, I started using Instagram a few years ago. I, I use Twitter, that tells you how old I am. Uh, I am way too old for Snapchat and TikTok, you guys. I can't do it, I'm just too old. I know Kyle, on the other hand, you're killing it on TikTok, he's killing it. Um, but I'm not here to say that they're good or bad. I would probably say they tend toward leading us away from true connection. But I think what they are is a mirage of connectivity. So a mirage is something you see in the desert, and it looks real. Like this cup of coffee is a real cup of coffee. I can drink it. A mirage would be, you ever wake up and there's no coffee, and you're dying, <laughs> and, you go, and your brain goes, I need coffee so bad, it, it like pictures a cup. And then you put your hand through it, and there's actually nothing there. And you're like, no, <laughs> right? That's a mirage. That's what social media is for connectivity. It's not real connectivity. You can thumb through a 1,000 TikTok videos that all have a billion hits on them. Who cares? Like, what did you just accomplish when it comes to your level of true, authentic connectivity? So picture that. Think about that. And we're going to jump back into our groups uh, here next with a couple of discussion questions. Five minutes, and we'll, then we're going to open the Bible, and we're going to get into the meat of the sermon. So in your groups, what parts of our culture push us towards isolating ourselves from others? And number two, what are the downsides of individualism that you have observed in our culture? So five minutes, and then we'll be back up here. All right, all right. Circle back. Hopefully you guys had a good discussion. We are going to be in the book of Hebrews today in your Bible, and uh, you're, they'll have it on the screen for you. You can open it on your phone, or if you have a Bible, pull it out. But before we jump in, I, I want to give you just a quick context, the book of Hebrews. The context was people were falling away from their faith. So this was, this was the first Christians. You've got you to gotta figure it out. Like, we've, we've had Christians for 2,000 years now. Some of you may have had parents who were Christians. Somebody led you to the Lord. Picture being the very first Christians ever, ever, that ever existed. And now some of them are falling away from their faith. And they're starting to leave this new faith in Jesus. And the book of Hebrews, one of the primary contexts of it is trying to get these people to stop leaving their faith. And we're going to look at, uh, what, what does it say? How do, you, how do you stop? How do you stop someone from leaving their faith? And that's what we're going to look at today. So we're going to get our scripture up on the screen here. Hebrews 3, uh, 12 through 15 uh, it says, see to it, brothers and sisters, that none of you, all right, all right, circle back, hopefully you guys had a good discussion. We are going to be in the book of Hebrews today, in your Bible, 
and uh, you're, they'll have it on a screen for you. You can open it on your phone, or if you have a Bible, pull it out. But before we jump in, I, I want to give you just a quick context, the book of Hebrews. The context was people were falling away from their faith. So this was, this was the first Christians. You've got you to gotta figure it out. Like, we've, we've had Christians for 2,000 years now. Some of you may have had parents who are Christians. Somebody led you to the Lord. Picture being the very first Christians ever, ever, that ever existed. And now some of them are falling away from their faith. And they're starting to leave this new faith in Jesus. And the book of Hebrews, one of the primary contexts of it is trying to get these people to stop leaving their faith. And we're going to look at, uh, what, what does it say? How do, you, how, do you stop? how do you stop someone from leaving their faith? And that's what we're going to look at today. So we're going to get our scripture up on the screen here. Hebrews 3, uh, 12 through 15 uh, it says, see to it, brothers and sisters, that none of you has a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God, but encourage one another daily, as long as it is called today, so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. We've come to share in Christ, if indeed we hold our original conviction firmly to the very end. As has just been said, today if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as you did in the rebellion. Now, Verse 12 is interesting because it says that as a believer, you can develop a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from God. Doesn't that sound terrible? Like Nobody wants that. Nobody wants that for themselves. Nobody wants that for their loved ones. Someone who is a believer that develops a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from God. Wouldn't you want to know how to prevent that? I, I, want, I want to know how do I prevent that from happening to me and to those around you? Well, you're in luck. Because verse 13 gives us the solution. Verse 13 says, but encourage one another daily as long as it is called today so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. Now think for a moment about all of the deceitfulness of sin. All the deceitfulness of sin. When it comes to things like racism, when it comes to things like sex and what the Bible says about sex versus what we want and the way that Satan tempts us and, and lures us away in, in, in different ways of lust and all these kind of things. When it comes to greed, when it comes to what we're to do with our money and our possessions, how we're to treat other people, there's so many ways that sin can deceive us. And if we think I'm going to go out and I'm just not going to be deceived by sin, we're fooling ourselves. We are deceived by sin. We are, we are people that are easily deceived by Satan's attacks and, and ways he's trying to lure us away. So verse 13 says that we are to encourage one another daily, as long as it's called today. Is today called today? It is. Then you know what you're to be doing? Encouraging each other daily. And then when tomorrow comes, what's it going to be called? Today. <laughs> right? Okay. Now, in our culture, it is very, very hard to encourage one another daily. In the first century, you became a Christian, and often they, they lived together. They lived in villages together. If you became a Christian, you were kicked out of your, your pagan family or your Jewish family sometimes because you were following that Jesus guy, and you had to form new family within the church. We don't meet every day for church. We meet once a week for church. And so I want to show you some layers when it comes to community within the church and what the church often does and what we're trying to do at Mosaic to create a place where you can have people in your life that encourage you daily and who you can encourage daily. All right, layer number one is a Sunday morning worship service. You're here, you made it to layer number one. So congratulations. Layer number one, yes, we made it. Layer number one is a Sunday morning worship service. 
if this is your or society or a church's only definition of church, I call that movie theater church. Movie theater church. Think about the last time you went to a movie theater. You go into the theater with a bunch of people you don't know. You watch a show. You hope it's good. And you leave. And then you might come back again and do it again. Next time you're at a movie theater, lean over to the person next to you and say, hey, I'm really struggling with looking at pornography. Um, could, you, could you be my accountability partner? And just see what this video it and see what they say. Uh, put it, Kyle, put it on TikTok. And uh, it'll be amazing. It'll be amazing, right? <laughs> um, you would never do that at a movie theater because you don't know those people and you do not have a, a, any sort of intimate friendship or relationship with them. It would be very awkward and uncomfortable. And sadly, that's what most of our church experiences are. We desperately need people to support us and we go to church and we treat church like movie theater. Nobody ever gets to know anybody and we just go in and we go out. And guess who's winning? Satan is winning. Because he's getting you and I to think we can do this by ourselves. And we can't. We cannot do it by ourselves. All right, so layer number two uh, with, within what we're trying to do at Mosaic. When, when you notice that every single service, twice a service, we, we break you off into sections. We have you seated in sections. We have one, two, three, and five. Because <laughs> we lost number four. We can't find number four right now. You're number five. <laughs> They're the missing four over here. Okay. The reason we do this, you guys, is because we are swimming upstream. Okay, look, church in America tells us don't do what you're doing. You'll make people feel uncomfortable. People don't want this. Well, guess what, you guys? Sometimes we need the things we don't want, <laughs> okay? Sometimes the things we don't want are the very things we need. Anyone ever parented children before? <laughs> right? <laughs> All right, now we're now hey, now we're talking. Now we're talking. Sometimes our kids need things that they don't want, right? Sometimes the Lord is working over here, right? And the kid says, I want, I want, I want. The parent says, No, you're gonna get what you need. Because my job is to keep you alive. <laughs> and, my, right, that is, and so we're the same way with God. We say, I don't want to talk to the person next to me. I don't want to wear a name tag. Look, we're, we're trying to do in a fun, non-threatening way is to get us practicing these things on a Sunday morning. I consider it a liturgy. A liturgy is something usually in churches that have kind of a high formal culture to the way they do worship, which is beautiful and good. There's certain things, certain prayers they pray every Sunday, certain things they say every Sunday. Well, this is our liturgy because liturgy shows what you care about and what matters, and we're putting us in sections, in community, to have these conversations. It's like a monument to our culture of individualism saying, no, this is going to be a value at Mosaic. We believe this is essential for every single person to not do life alone. And so we have section leaders, and we have name tags. And next, check this out, layer number three. We are launching small groups on September 22nd. Yes, this is exciting. For those of you who don't know, we're a brand new church. We've been around four months from when we launched Sunday morning services. This is the first time we're launching small groups. It's not coincidental we're doing a series on community during the time that we're launching small groups because we want you to know how important they are. We want you to know how absolutely essential and important they are. Our small groups are going to be led by our section leaders. Isn't that cool? So the people you're sitting with on Sunday that you're building relationships with, and you can sit wherever you want, you can go to any group you want, but the idea is that no matter how small or big Mosaic gets, 
that your, your small group community time, your Sunday morning community time, you are building relationships with people. It takes time, but we can stack it up, and we're going to watch God do amazing things. We don't always want the things we need, but we need to be together. We need to be together. And let me say this, it's hard to commit to going to small group. You're going to have better things to do on Thursday nights than go to small group. And I know some of you won't be able to make it, and that's okay. What I'm saying is, it's a commitment. And it's an important commitment. It's an important commitment. Just like coming to church, you got to get up early. You got to make the drive. You're here. You made a commitment to be here because it's important. And small groups are no different. Our small groups are launching September 22nd. They're all going to be at Potter's House Elementary Middle School. That's just a couple miles from here. Uh, the information, uh, we're, I'm going to actually give it to you at the end. Uh, a way to, to get that on your calendar to know they're all in one place. We're going to have kids ministry going at the same time. We're going to have youth ministry going at the same time. So you can come to one place. Everybody's going to be together. We're going to be in our diversity. We're going to be in community. We're going to have kids and teens going all in one place, all at one time, which is going to be beautiful. Layer number four, this is super, super important. This is back to my joke about movie theater church. We need individuals in our lives. Brothers and sisters, you've got to have brothers and sisters in your life that you can share your deepest, darkest struggles with. You've got to have it. You can't carry those struggles alone. And look, the church is that place. Now, I don't recommend on a Sunday morning that layer number one, turning to the person next to you and saying, this is my deepest, darkest struggle and I need you. Now, we want to create a space, though, where you can meet those people, where you can feel comfortable with those people. You can build trust through these layers through your section, through a small group, and go, you know what? I think I could call that person now. I think I know that person well enough that I could maybe see if we could get lunch together. Maybe I could have them over for dinner. Maybe we could get coffee. And I'm going to take a risk, and I'm going to share with that person the struggles I'm going through in my marriage, in my single life, the struggles I'm going through in my temptations. I'm going to share about my depression. I'm going to share about my anxiety. And there's some space for that in small group. But I'm telling you, I think small groups are the best way to meet the people that you can be real with on an individual level. And we need that in the church, especially in America, especially with this tide going so far against us. All right, back to verse 15, back to our text. Uh, verse 15 is really interesting. If you're a Bible nerd, and you nerd out on the history of the Old Testament, this is a really fun verse. Uh, we're going to get into some of this in our next sermon series. We're going to talk about the story of the Bible, the story of the Old Testament. But the people of God in the Old Testament, the Israelites, they were given a promised land, and then they were kicked out of it. They were, it's called the exile. If you know the story of Daniel and the lion's den, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, that all happened in Babylon. That was, they, that was not in the promised land. They got kicked out. They lost it all because of why. It says right here in yellow, because they harden their hearts. They harden their hearts as you did in the rebellion. So what this passage 12 of 15 is saying is that community, this is really wild, community is a solution to the entire exile. The entire thing that happened in the Old Testament, this being kicked out of the land, this hardening of heart, it could have been fixed, according to the author of Hebrews, if there had been genuine community of encouraging one another every day not to be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. It's mind-blowing. So here's what I want to look at. How does this affect this? Okay? How does this, being in the deepest, darkest purple, no, score of 91, number one most individualistic culture ever, affect the way that we do church? We've already started talking about it. But I want to talk a little bit about YouTube church. Okay? 
I'm not a hater on YouTube. We, as of this moment, are being live streamed to YouTube. Hello, YouTube. We, we, have, we have our, uh, and we put all the sermons on YouTube. YouTube uh, church, YouTube preaching, worship, it can be a great tool. It can be a great tool. But, but, here's what happens in an individualistic culture, the, the deep purple. We go, hey, I can just find my favorite preacher on YouTube, and I can just find my favorite worship leader on YouTube, and I don't really need to do all that getting out of bed thing and actually going to church and actually sitting next to somebody and actually talking and someone knowing my name and, and me knowing their name. I don't really want to do that. I don't really want to do that. So I think I'm just going to do, I think I'm just going to do YouTube church. Um, who likes accountability? Like, who likes someone being like, hey, you're out of line? <laughs> One person. Mario likes accountability. Okay. Uh, who likes church discipline? Like, what? Church discipline. There's actually scripture in the New Testament that talks about church discipline. When someone's really out of line, there's a way, to, there's a way that that has to be handled. Who likes the idea of submitting to authority within the church? Nobody likes that stuff, mostly because we're Americans, and Americans hate that stuff, right? All of that is 100% biblical. And when you have YouTube church, you don't need any of that. You just say, no, I'm good. I'm good. I don't need any of that. There's another problem. I think we adore and worship, maybe even, we overly adore celebrity preachers. We overly adore celebrity churches. We overly adore celebrity worship bands where we start to put our faith in them and not in Jesus, and we start to only see their positive qualities and not what makes them fully human. I often will see posts uh, online from local pastors, and it will say things like, uh, why is it that churchgoers are always complaining about their local pastor who they're in a relationship with? And I don't have any of these issues yet because we're still pretty new. Um, but, but then we adore these celebrity pastors just because simply we don't know them, right? Do you see the issue with that? Do you see the problem with it that can come up with that? Now, uh, again, all that is good. I'm not saying don't listen to those YouTube channels, but it is meant to be a supplement. It is meant to be a side dish. It is not meant to be the main course. When the side dish replaces the main course, when the French fries replace uh, the hamburger or the grilled chicken, you're in trouble, right? You're in trouble. You can't live on French fries, right? They're nice to have around, but you can't live on them. All right. Lastly, I often hear people say, I only need Jesus, my Bible, and, and maybe YouTube, and I'm a Christian. Okay, if the, the Lions play today, anybody care? Where, where'd Kyle go? Kyle cares. All right, if, if we, uh, with, with the rain coming down, we're probably going to move our cookout under our amazing tent in here, and we're going to try to play the Lions game so you can watch it. Okay, if I held a football up here, and I said, I'm a quarterback. I'm a quarterback. What should your next question be? Where's your team? Who do you play for? Oh, I don't need a team. I'm a quarterback. What does a quarterback need to be a quarterback? A team. At least one person to throw the ball to, right? Like you at least need one other person. All right. When it comes to church, it's the same way. I'm a Christian. Where's your team? I don't need a team. Well, then, I mean... I'm not saying you're not a Christian, but you're certainly a disobedient one, right? <laughs> like, right? I mean, like, right? I mean, we're commanded. This is a team sport. 
This is a team sport. We're to be in community together. And so it's an invitation to you here at Mosaic. We don't have official membership yet because we're still a young church and we're still building the structure for that. But become a member. Become a quote-unquote member. We don't have members yet, but make this your home church. Say, I want to be a part of this. I want to help plant this church. We are missionaries in this world. Why, this is why we're outside these next three Sundays. So we're doing cookouts. We're going to eat under here. People are going to come. They're going to come visit, and we're going to say, come back next week. It won't be raining. We're going to be out here again. Come under the tent, and we're, and we're going we're gonna to be here. We are a missionary church. We, are, we're doing, uh, we had three people get baptized last month. We got another four getting baptized at the end of this month, right? Praise God. That is what you and I get to be a part of uh, when we're members of a team, when we're members of a team and not just trying to do things all by ourselves. I thought this would happen. I don't have time for this one. That's okay because we have a whole series. We have a whole series where we can, we're going to come back to Hebrews 10, 23 to 25, uh, but it is very similar to Hebrews 3, 13, uh, to 13 through the one that we just read, 12 to 15. But I want to say, so let me just say the one line in here that I want you to pick up. We've got to spur each other on towards love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. You can't meet together on YouTube. You can't meet together on YouTube. We have to spur each other on, as the text says. We have to spur each other on. You can't do that on YouTube. We need these layers. We need all four. And trust me, I need you to spur me on. I need you to come alongside me where I'm weak, where I have blind spots, where I struggle, and I need you to support me and hold me up. We need each other to spur one another on. Don't be in the group the summer in the habit of doing. It's going to be hard. We are swimming upstream against our whole culture. 